My name is Robert Sturdivant. I'm a local licensed pastor here in the North Alabama Conference, and I serve as the youth pastor at Trinity in Birmingham. I want to begin today by sharing a story of when I first was given the opportunity to preach in our services on Sunday mornings. It was a few years back, and, and I was trying, overly trying perhaps even, to prepare this sermon that was coming up that Sunday. And I remember the overwhelming sense of, of purpose and duty, and yet overwhelming sense of just terror over the idea that I would be writing words that, that are supposed to come from Scripture and, and from my reason and tradition and experience that, that all are supposed to amount to some sort of point, some sort of something that is to instruct other people about the ways in which they are to carry their lives, the way in which they're supposed to interact with God, and all of it just felt overwhelming. Now, I am one who doesn't mind speaking. Perhaps that's why I became a pastor uh, in, in the worst sort of ways. But more than anything, I just kept thinking about how much I like hearing the sound of my own voice or writing out the words in which I believe that God was instructing me to write. I still nevertheless didn't quite know how to go about doing it. I mean, like literally, like I knew open up a Word document, start to write down some ideas, sure, but how do I form that into something that matters? How do I form that into something meaningful? And so I began walking around both the church and reaching out to my community at large and seeking out advice of just where to begin and how to even start this kind of a process. And, and I came across somebody who gave me some pretty unique, to say the least, perspective and advice. This person shared with me that more than anything, first of all, I need to get out of my own head to let the ego be put aside for just a minute and to recognize that while this is extremely important, this is not the biggest thing in the world and that I need to take a deep breath and first of all, remember why it is that I got into the work that I am in. Secondly, this person reminded me of the deep importance to simply be in the presence of God and to be still before God and humble before God. But then thirdly, this person said, once I've done this, once I've taken some time to just recenter myself, I need to come back to the idea of the purpose of a sermon, the purpose of sharing the word of God with others to give perspective and enlightenment to the words in which are so powerfully written that they have crossed so many years and translations and generations. But then more importantly than anything, I was to sit down and to write a sermon for one person in our congregation. And this is where it started getting interesting for me. Because to be honest, that didn't sound like really good advice. I said, well, how is that supposed to work? How am I supposed to write a sermon for just one person? Am I supposed to, you know, poll our congregation and ensure the attendance of that one person that coming Sunday? The person said, no, don't, don't worry about whether or not they show up. And I said, well, I guess I'm just still a little lost here. You want me to write a sermon for somebody that may or may not show up this Sunday, write it contextually to their own life, their situation, hope that it applies that I'm not speaking out of turn, and then throughout all of it, assume somehow that God is going to use this sermon for this one person that may or may not show up in a way that could impact our entire congregation and illuminate scripture in such a way to which the person said, yeah, pretty much. Well, at this point, to be honest with everyone, I was kind of 
at the end of a deadline anyways. I don't know if you know this, but Sunday it just kind of keeps coming around every seven days or so. And so I really had no choice but to use that as sort of a centering piece of the way in which I would write this sermon. Now, I wrote the sermon, it was done. I preached it that following Sunday, and thank goodness that I still had my job on the following Monday. It was a fine sermon. It wasn't anything to write home about necessarily from my perspective, but when I finished it up, I came back to that same person, and I, well, I told him he was right, that for no other reason than it gave me a centering place to start, I found myself really focused in on this idea of writing this sermon for this one person to hear it in such a way that might transform their hearts, that might allow God's grace to impact them in a, in a different sort of a way. Now, this person said, great, keep doing that each time you write a sermon. And as much as I wish that that person hadn't been right, they were, and they continue to somehow be. And in fact, that brings me to the scripture I wish to share with us today. It comes to us from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. I share this sermon with all of you today because I'm reminded of this piece of scripture whenever I think about the sermons that I am to write, the work even that I am to do. Because to be honest, the work that all of us do, those of us who are at least in vocational ministry, it's kind of a funny thing to think about, that we are to spur one another into sparking love and good deeds. Well, of course, is that not just the job description of those of us who do this kind of work, this kind of church work? I mean, because in some manner of speaking, at some point, each of us probably felt called to doing this kind of work. So, of course, why, you know, why would we, those of us vocational ministers, those of us professional Christians, why is it that this type of passage so speaks well to each of us? I don't know about you, but I find myself often thinking about why it is I do the work that I do. Why it is that God has called me to do this kind of work, to, to spark love and good deeds, to not stop meeting together as some have gotten into the habit of doing, to be in a place where we can welcome and encourage each other and encourage different ideas, different perspectives. I mean, is that not the beauty of the United Methodist Church? I think right now in this season that, that so many of us are going through of both discernment and reconciliation, grace and hope in the future of our church, the future of our calling. I think that same rule that I got years ago of writing a sermon for that one person may just apply to the daily work right now. That sometimes, again, maybe I'm just speaking to myself today, but I think sometimes it can become so overwhelming in this season to think about the kind of work we are to be doing and how we are to be doing it, that I can't help but go back to this idea of, well, maybe what I need to do is to get out of my head a little bit, to set my ego aside, to humble myself before God, and to focus on one person today, one person today, that I can encourage that good work, that I can encourage the meeting together of people of different ideas and perspectives, yet all united under the same cause, the same hope that is that sanctifying and perfecting grace of God. 
And so maybe it's just because I work in a specific role where in the same day I might have a conversation with a difficult situation with a student and then find myself playing dodgeball with other students just a couple hours later. Or, or the students who are in my office talking all about the new Taylor Swift album coming up while I'm trying to prepare a sermon for a Sunday in which I am not at all prepared to write such a sermon. Or maybe it's because in this season of discernment and this season of transition and this season in which division can be so easy to step into, I keep coming back to this simple yet unbelievably difficult task of just sparking love and good deeds, of focusing in on those things in which matter more than those minor things in which we often can get caught up in disagreement about. And so I don't know where you are right now in in your journey and in your spiritual discernment and your spiritual life, but I know for me, if, if, if at anything else, at the end of the day, I want to go back to a place where I'm focused in on that one person with whom I know God is giving me the opportunity to spark love and good deeds. And so I simply pray that for you today, that wherever you find yourself, may you see that God has given you such a purpose to bring together others who otherwise would not want to agree with each other, not want to even be in the presence of one another. And that through that sparking of love, that practice of good deeds, that practice of gathering together, that God's grace might be seen in a way that is transformative to a world that is often so divisive. And so I close today in this word of prayer. God, may your mercy and your might and your grace be ever present in these days ahead. May your challenge for all of us to simply and uniquely focus in on, on that one person with whom we have the unique opportunity to spark love and good deeds into. God, may we not take this for granted. May we see this as gift as opportunity to do the work that you have called each of us to do. God, may we be grounded furthermore into that great community that is the United Methodist Church, the great opportunity that is the ability to lean in on one another, to encourage each other even in the days when it seems most difficult. And may through all of it, God, your spirit of hope and renewal through your son Jesus Christ be seen ever present and evermore. All this I pray in your holy and merciful name. Amen.